welcome to another episode of Horror Humor Hunger's Hot Ghoul Summer. I'm Vicki Parhampton, and today we are talking all about horror and art with two very insightful and talented artists. Art can evoke so many emotions, and it can affect different people in wildly different ways. So we're going to break that down and also understand what can make art scary and when it can also veer into the humorous. And don't worry, there's also a delicious art-inspired recipe at the end. So without further ado, let's get our art on. Okay, we are back with my friend Catherine Vantosh. Can you introduce yourself, Catherine? Yes, I am Catherine Vantosh. I'm a graphic designer and I am a neighbor also and friend. And she is also a great artist. She's underselling herself. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I like art. I mean, I love art and, you know, creating it. I like to try. What kind of art do you create? Okay, so I paint, like to paint. And I mean, I like to do DIY also, but that's not necessarily art. And... I would say it is. I've seen the stuff you've created. Oh, thank you. Well, usually it's just stuff that I like want for my home. Mm-hmm. that is unaffordable so I just try <laughs> and sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't but when it does work out it looks so cool thank you thank some some have worked out and some are super simple to do there's a guy Casa Refined is the yes. name of his yes he does a great job he does and he's the guy who does you know finds things from dollar stores and then will do random things and create this stuff that looks like it could be in a gallery yes very like restoration hardware yeah yeah which is really cool to feel like okay I see that it's $500 in the store but I can make that for 10 yeah exactly exactly and that's usually my primary motivator it's like I want that I just don't want to spend that right And so tell me what kind of art you're drawn to. I would say that I love most art, but what I, and I used to be primarily drawn to stuff that's thought provoking. Mm -hmm. And now I find myself more and more appreciating art that's simply beautiful, but I'm drawn to both. So if it's either, it might not be beautiful, but it's very thought provoking. Mm -hmm. I am drawn to it. And then also just beautiful art the colors you know it just maybe in my older age I've just like to be comforted a little bit also I got that I mean for me it's more about if I look if I go to a museum or an art gallery and I look at it and think I could do that I'm not as drawn to it right 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 like a lot of modern art is that way yeah like I remember seeing and I think it was in the Dallas Museum of Art and I saw it was literally just a rectangle and it was red right that was it See, now I used to be like that too, because I didn't get it. I would go to a modern art museum and be like, that is, Mm -hmm. yeah, I could do that, whatever. But now I have more of an appreciation for it. And I think it's just sort of because I've developed my appreciation for interior design. Yeah. And I would like something like that in my home. You know, it's Mm -hmm. something about the color or it might just be, you know, like you said, just a swath of color. Yeah. But it adds something, I think, to a room or environment. Yeah, so you're coming at it from a different perspective rather than just, could I make that? Because a lot of times you look at it and say, I can and I will and I do. Yes, and I used to, and I used to also devalue it for that. If I could mm-hmm. make it, I would also devalue it as, as you do. But then now I have more of an appreciation for like, wow, that adds so much to this room. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, so I am also a painter and I do these big oil paintings, mostly of kind of cult classic old horror movie monsters yes they're amazing thank you with um i would say sometimes they have extraterrestrial elements and i'll link in the show notes to pictures of my paintings and you can also see them on my instagram and 
I like super to, cool. And the you. colors that you pick, I really like the colors. They're very like bold choices and unique. I like them a lot. Thank you. I mean, I like to paint the figures in black and white and then either put like a space background or my latest one I did, Dr. Frankenfurter from Rocky Horror Picture Show. And I put him on a blush pink backdrop with kind of a mid-century modern pattern yes and that's hanging in my kitchen and it freaks my husband Super out every cool. time he sees it and you did the coolest bookmark also you'll have to oh, um, that's right link a photo to that it's very cool thank you I, I entered a bookmark contest with my favorite local bookseller e shaver in savannah and i didn't win the contest which is fine but i made a bookmark that had on one end it was the bride of frankenstein for my painting and on the other end it was frankenstein from a different painting and then my friend Catherine made them into actual bookmarks for me, which I love. But, <laughs> I love that bookmark. It was very cool. Thank you. I mean, I, I wouldn't say that my art is necessarily horrifying, but I like taking something that's been used to scare people and put it in a totally different context. Yes. It, that's your, definitely your point of inspiration. And I think, I mean, I've been in your house. You have all sorts of fabulous art everywhere. And sometimes the subject is scary, but it comes off looking really beautiful. Right. Right. I think that's true. And I think that's kind of the power of art is that you can take something and say, okay, that scares me, but let's make it pretty. Let's yes. make it not scary. Yes. There's that Banksy. Okay. So he, I've seen something that he did, which has a quote and he, I think he attributed it to himself, but it was like, art should disturb the comfortable or the, the comforted and comfort the disturbed, something like that. Oh, I, I like, like that. that. Yeah. I really like that because I mean, when I first married Ryan, my husband, he had never really been to an art museum. He didn't really, you know, he, that wasn't his thing. And then we lived in DC for a while and we went to all the Smithsonian's. And as he saw more and more and I explained to him how it affected me and why I liked it, mm -hmm. he started to pick up on that. And now he can say, okay, I like that because, or this intrigues me because, and which I think is awesome because then you can get something out of art. And I think that's really important. Yes. Yes. And we've been going to some of the Telfair museums here in Savannah and it's nice to be able to look at something. And even if you think that you can make it, if it makes you feel something, exactly, exactly. I think so. And it doesn't have to necessarily disturb you. Although I think that that is powerful mm -hmm. when you feel disturbed by art, but you know, if it moves something within you, then mm -hmm. it's successful. Yeah. And I, I'm trying to think about what art I've seen that's actually scary. And I feel like even stuff with scary subject matter, I mean, just you put it in a different context and it's not scary anymore. Like I'm thinking about some movie monsters like the Babadook or Pennywise the Clown. And mm -hmm. if you see what some people have done, turn them into memes, right. do other things, like they're funny now. Right, right. You can take a, a very scary subject and you can use art to sort of make it lighter, uh, which that's what memes do in a way, if you want yeah. to call them art. Um, it's sort of NFTs as well. Like, you know, yeah. you can also take something maybe benign or not necessarily that considered and you can make it, you can highlight that it is something scary that we should maybe be thinking about more. I'm so glad you brought that up. That's such a good point because it's not just demystifying something scary. It's also, I don't know how to make this a verb, but making something horrifying that isn't. Yes. Showing the uncomfortable but that maybe should be. Yeah, exactly. So like um, I saw probably the most sort of scary, if you want to use that word, or like disturbing thing that really impacted me was we were in Santa Fe and, you know, Santa Fe is a great city for art. Right. They have so many galleries and we were in this one gallery and I'm, I wish I knew the artist's name. Maybe someone does. 
but it was an artist who had turned the tables with animals and humans. And it was, it was um, all these different sculptures depicting what it would be like in the next world if animals treated us the way we treat animals. Oh, that's interesting. And it really was horrifying and, and gut-wrenching in a way to think about, you know, it was just like very basic things like a dog walking a human on a leash and, um, you know, chasing humans with guns and, you know, all these things where the roles were just reversed and things that we think are just completely normal ways to treat animals were suddenly horrifying. Totally, because it forces you to put yourself in their position. And I think that's something we don't do enough of. Definitely. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. I mean, some of the scariest art I've seen is I love looking at a pictures of abandoned places right I love theme parks houses abandoned mansions you name it I love looking at it and I think I mean an abandoned place on its own sure it could be scary right if you think of it as haunted but it could just be hauntingly beautiful it there's so many different ways you can read it and I just love the idea of looking at those places and thinking about what happened there why it was abandoned they always look like people left in a hurry which is yes like so interesting to me and so I, yeah, I just love looking at that kind of You would have loved that um, down the road, how we went to that. It was from Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. Oh, yeah. And yeah. it was his, I guess, like sort of weekend home, but it was abandoned. You know, it had been, but it was super beautiful in the same way that you describe of just sort of like just wondering about the parties that they, because it was like very mm. country sort of rural environment, but it was a very grandiose um room it was really Mm. just a ballroom type thing yeah with a beautiful ornate painted ceiling and then but yet it had just been destroyed over time so it it does make you sort of just quite you know you wonder like at some point someone really cared about this building Mm. and like so much fun was had here or what happened yeah, and that's also where some horror comes in is the destruction of art. Yes. Because I would say abandoning it, not taking care of it, you can see the cracks forming, you can see when graffiti shows up. I mean, there's some horror in that too. Yeah, for sure. Because knowing that somebody went to great pains to make this and now nobody's using it, nobody's appreciating it, it's actually the opposite. People are destroying it. Yes. And it is interesting, the art that does stand the test of time mm-hmm. and and why. And why other art, you know, doesn't. That's a really good point because, I mean, even in school, if you take art history, you're still learning about the old masters and then you learn about Picasso. And then there's not as many, you know, modern artists. And it will be interesting to see in 20, 30, 40, 50 years, is that work still being taught? Is it still interesting? And who from right now is being taught? Yes, yes. Yeah, have you ever heard of the artist Elm Green and Drag Set? No. It's not performative art, but it, in a way, I, I'm, I don't know exactly what you call it, but they create um, like scene-like situations that you actually walk through. So they did this apartment of this man and it, there was a story being told about him. And it, I think that the exhibit was in London or New York. I didn't get a chance to go to it, but it was just fascinating, you know, that you walk through the entire apartment, you're allowed to like open the desk and read the letters that are there. You're allowed to interact and engage with the whole thing. And wow. uh, I could see that being a really actually interesting, I don't know what that man's story was, but it could be a very interesting sort of horrifying sort of house of horrors, if you will. Totally. That you could do with it. But they're also the artists that did the Prada. You've seen it in Marfa. Oh, yeah. That's their thing. 
which is so they do very thought-provoking pieces because the Prada thing you know the backdrop is just West Texas nothingness yeah and so it's a comment on consumerism and they're very interesting it also makes you think everything can be art right you can literally turn anything into art you really can which like Marcel Duchamp you know he had the urinal oh yeah (laughs) and that's prime example of a, a urinal can be art then everything can be art yeah, it's one of those things where sometimes you see these exhibits in museums and you're like, is that art? I don't yeah. know. It blurs yeah. the line, but it's in a museum. Yeah. I mean, I once saw, I think it was some funny meme on the internet where somebody had just put a used plastic fork on the ground in a museum and somebody had set up a little plaque uh-huh. that, you know, fork circa 2008 and people started looking at it and taking pictures of right, it. Right, right. They didn't know it wasn't supposed to be there. It's true. And so there's the, there's two things that you can think there. It's like either, you know, People are just pretending in a way mm-hmm. to be like, oh, I get it. I get it. Totally. You know, <laughs> sort of emperor's new clothes. Like, or, but then also there's just the considering it in a new light. And maybe that's also happening. That's the, I, that would be better than the, the former. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> that you're just pretending. But like maybe sometimes when you do take a normal object and you look at it and in the light of you know sort of sort of an artistic light that you didn't look at it before then suddenly you do get it you actually do get it yeah it's like changing your perception and trying on different ways of viewing the world I mean I think that's super valuable I mean that's where horror can come in that's where other like better feelings than being horrified can come in yes because I mean if you think about like a standard kitchen knife I mean that I can make a food for my family with that. That's great. Or, I mean, it can be used to murder somebody. I mean, terrifying. Yes, yes. It's all about context. It is. And I think that, like, you know, what I think, when I try to determine, like, is this art or, you know, this is not always the determinant because there is Mm -hmm. some art that certainly is art that I wouldn't want in my house, you know? But that's kind of my thing. Like, would I want this art, and if you want to call it art, a fork or whatever, <laughs> would I want this in my house? And then that's what I kind of think, oh, yeah, that is art. That's or not. interesting. Yeah, because, I mean, and there's also so much art. I mean, there's performance art. There's musical art. There's, you know, film art. And but that's an interesting way to think about it is if I put this in my house, does it count as art? Yeah, like, would I enjoy it? Yeah, that's kind of the the question that I ask myself, because if it's something that like, yes, this actually, I enjoy looking at this, then I then I would say it's art. Yeah, that's really interesting. I I never really thought about it that way. But yeah, because I I remember I used to go to the we lived in Ann Arbor and Ann Arbor has a huge art fair every summer. Uh And we'd go and some things I'd look at and I'd be like, I don't understand how that is art. But people would buy it. Right, right. And I remember there's this one style, I don't know the artist, but he or she did these life-size, very detailed wax figures, not of famous people, just uh-huh. of like, you know, a butler or something else. And you're looking at it and you're like, that would terrify me if it were in my home. Right, right. Yeah. And, and so you might even appreciate that as art, but not necessarily want to live with it. And yeah, that, that does exist. I mean, it's a good burglar deterrent. <laughs> yeah. Nothing else. And you can appreciate, wow, that person really went to great pains to make that lifelike. Yes. And I, I would say it's art, but at the same time, I don't want that in my home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. A hundred percent. And I do think that when you can tell that someone went to great pains to do something, that is another sort of like, definitely then that's an art. Yeah. I would agree with that. And I think that's where my husband's kind of criteria comes from is, can I do that? 
or was that something that was done in five minutes? Right, right. Or it looked like it was done in five yes, minutes. Yes, yes. And there's, that's a really hard line to draw because sometimes some things that look really simple are extremely intricate when you start to dig down. Yeah, they are. And, you know, I mean, I do think like we've talked about, like there are very seemingly on the surface simplistic artists like Rothko or mm-hmm. something. Yeah. And they, it just seems like, yeah, I could do that. But the thing is that that's where then I take my next level question of like, but what, but is it beautiful? Mm-hmm. Would you want it in your house? And would you want to be around it? And does it make you feel something? Right. And yeah. also was, he was one of the first people to do that. Whereas I feel like now any person who does art like that, it's like, okay, that looks like Rothko. Right. But right. was it groundbreaking? It, yes. It was, it was maybe the first of its kind and it's mm-hmm. also art for that reason. And yeah. Like I mean, Pollock, or, you know. Right. You got to take some of the history into account too. Yes. The place and time. Yeah. And I, so art really is all about context, place and time, the feelings you bring to it, the feelings you get out of it. I mean, you can dig so deep into this topic to the point where you're just looking around yourself being like, everything is ours. Yeah, yeah, it's true. (laughs) Which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Right. It's very true. Well, thank you so much, Catherine. As always, this has been a pleasure and very insightful. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Huge thank you to the wonderful Catherine Vantosh. And now we'll hear from another lovely artist, my sister-in-law, Nicole. Hi, I'm Nicole, and I am a social worker at University of Michigan, and I also do a lot of art on the side, some for my sister-in-law, Viggy, and some for my rafting community for t-shirts and other designs, and then, yeah, anything from pet portraits to cartoons. Yeah, so what kind of art do you create in terms of your medium? Because I've seen you do a lot of different things. Yeah, I think my favorite is uh, I like capturing people and expressions and so that I think doing portraits is really fun I like um, playing with colors and then I also love doing cartoons too where I can bring a lot of emotion to a situation using simple lines and illustration totally and I when I was writing more on medium I collaborated with you and you created some awesome illustrations for me and I will link to those in the show notes Um, One of them is I did an article about what Pennywise the clown eats for breakfast or what he eats in a day. And you did a hilarious illustration of Pennywise eating an eyeball. And then I did another one where I was talking about kind of the evolution of horror over the decades. And you did an awesome one that kind of looks like kind of the evolution of man that, you know, you go from like a chimpanzee to a human, but you did it with characters throughout the years from horror movies, like the girl from The Exorcist and Freddy Krueger and stuff like that. And they were charming. I mean, they were horrifying subject matter, but they were so charming. So I would love if you could just talk a little bit about your process from me asking you for something weird to you finding a way to actually execute it. I think it's fun to get an assignment that's like, okay, I want you to draw something to do with a clown eating an eyeball. And, you know, I think that's super fun because I like to be creative and interpret those situations. And like I said, I like to do a lot of cartoons. And so when I'm cartooning, when I'm just doodling, I'm not actually, I'm not thinking about like each and every line. I'm just flowing. And I feel like I got to do that a lot. I'm not good at doing scary pictures. I think there's always an element of humor in them somewhere. So, so yeah, I think that definitely comes out in the illustrations. 
that you had me do. When I was a kid, my best friend and I, for fun, we would do all sorts of drawings and we would try to make them silly scary. And so we would do like, okay, who can draw the weirdest looking person? And we would do a fold over story. And so someone would do top part of the face and someone would do the bottom part and we would try to make it as ridiculous as possible. And I think it kind of reminded me of that. Oh yeah, I could see that. And I mean, just there are a lot of artists who actually do art that tries to scare the crap out of you. Um, but I think it's such a talent to be able to take something that people find really scary and say, no, 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 we can laugh at this. We don't need to make it scary. I mean, something that comes to mind is I don't know if you ever saw the movie The Babadook, but if you mm-hmm. haven't, you should. But after that movie came out, The Babadook yeah. itself became this like cult icon and everybody was turned him into a meme same thing happened with Pennywise people just find ways to take these scary characters put them in different contexts and kind of take away their power to scare you and Mm -hmm. I think that's what you did with your illustrations which is exactly what I wanted and I loved thank you yeah I I think in terms of resilience humor is one of those major things that is important when you're dealing with fear in life and so I think maybe the fact that I try to help people harness those things in my job as a therapist might come out in art in that way. Totally. And I mean, when you yourself see a piece of art, not that you've created, but that somebody else created that really affects you, where does that come from? Like what about a piece of art really makes you stop and look at it and have some feelings and think about it? I think when there's a lot of questions and a lot of contradiction, because I think people are full of contradictions and many different parts. And so when a piece of artwork challenges an accepted perception or when there's a lot of mystery to it, um, I think I'm drawn to those sorts of illustrations or paintings. Totally. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And I think also sometimes when you just know something either about the art, the time period during which it was created or the artist. Yeah him her or himself it's much easier to be interested in it because I mean I can walk through a museum and be like okay that's a pretty painting but if I know it was created during this time here's the controversy maybe surrounding it here's why it was significant during its time it takes on a whole other meaning completely separate from the physical object Mm -hmm. it does I was recently at my favorite art museum called Louisiana in Denmark and yes it's awesome it's a museum of modern modern art And some of my favorite paintings and photos, actually there were photos, um, they were settings in a rural town in India, and there were a variety of masks that the people um, in the paintings wore. So it was just interesting to learn about the symbols that those represented, and then to see both a cartoon mask and people living their daily lives in this community. Totally. And I mean, I think whenever, anytime you go to an art museum and you find a piece of art that you really connect with, I mean, it's a very transcendent experience because you, you're looking at it and you have all these thoughts coming into your head and all these feelings that you wouldn't normally feel. And that's just another way of bringing yourself into the present. If you're really connecting with a piece of art and really studying it, you're not thinking about what's happening on social media or what you have to cook for dinner. You're just there in that moment. And I think that's one of the most therapeutic things about going to an art museum or consuming art in any way. Definitely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Nicole. You're welcome. 
A huge thank you to Nicole and again to Catherine. Thank you so much to both of my lovely artists for sharing their perspective and their process. And I think this really highlights the ability of creativity and art at large to both make normal things scary and to also neutralize the scary things around us. And this shows how significant a shift in perspective can really be, for better or worse. That's a real superpower and helps highlight why we as a society really need art. Now, all this art talk has made me really hungry, so let's go ahead and talk cupcakes. I call these the it's alive cupcakes, and they're so delicious. My household went through a dozen of them in just two days. I'll post the recipe in my show notes, but I'm also going to walk you through everything that I did right now as well. So these are vanilla cupcakes with raspberry jam and cream cheese frosting. But if you want to put your art goggles on and get creative with me, then these are really cupcakes with a bloody surprise in the center. Come on, you know I had to bring a little bit of horror back. I started with my favorite vanilla cupcake mix, and then once the cupcakes were baked, I dug a little hole in the middle of each one and filled the well with raspberry jam. Then I made some cream cheese frosting for the tops, and voila, it's alive! Cupcakes, so delicious! As always, thank you for listening. We've got just one more episode left in Hot Cool Summer before we wrap up and get ready for Season 3. And the trailer for that will be released in mid-September with the actual season itself starting at the beginning of October. So make sure you tune in next week for our finale to Hot Cool Summer, where we'll talk all about something that I have been teasing for months. Aliens! Don't miss out! Uh, uh, uh.